you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Continuing this week in our series that we're just calling Letters, where we're uh, living with these short epistles, these, uh, these uh, short letters from various apostles uh, to either various churches or to people. Uh, the last couple weeks we've been in the book of 1 Timothy, where, where Paul has been writing one of his disciples, one of his kind of church leaders, uh, Timothy, who uh, he has kind of sent to Ephesus to steward his favorite congregation. This is earlier in Paul and Timothy's ministry, and it's full of, hey, Timothy, I want to encourage you in this, and then here's what you need to tell them. It's, it's a very, uh, while it's personal, it's very much focused on the church at Ephesus and, and what the reality is for Timothy on the ground. This week, we flip the page to 2 Timothy, um, and, and while we're unsure of exactly the dating of this, there seems to have been a lot of life that has happened between 1 and 2 Timothy which for me invites the question of how did, how did Timothy and Paul uh, kind of experience life together and how did they get to this place? Uh, we get more picture of Timothy in the book of Acts. In Acts 16, we get our very first Timothy moment. Um, Paul uh, has arrived in Lystra. Uh, he, he and Barnabas have had a little kerfuffle and he's wanting some more folks to go with him. Uh, and he hears from the folks of Lystra and Iconium that, that Timothy, man, this kid, he's got faith. And he comes from a good family. They're they're believing Jews. And so Paul thinks, I definitely want to bring him along. We want to get him as part of the traveling discipleship team, going around and planning churches and revitalizing ones we've already started. Uh, And and we read there that that Timothy's mother is a believing Jew and that his father is a Greek. Okay, we can work with this. This family has a blended understanding of the deities, but uh, the mothers have been faithful. So this is good. Um, We just have one problem. His father's Greek, so he's not circumcised. We're going to all these churches full of people who have come out of the Jewish faith and and who who understand that you have to to follow these other laws uh, to also follow Jesus. And we don't don't want that to be the thing uh, that harms our witness as we come in. Right, Timothy? So we've got to circumcise you. And so the text says, uh, Paul circumcised Timothy, and they went about their way, and uh, good things happened, and joy abounded. And then we get little glimpses of Timothy all through the rest of Paul's journeys. Moments where they'll sync up, and they'll travel together, and then moments where they'll split up, and, and Paul will say, go to Ephesus, go here. We get farther down the missionary journeys, and we get to this place where uh, Paul is, um, is arrested. And it, it's a whole big scheme because, you know, Paul is also Jewish and Roman. He's got uh, kind of also a mixed background family in terms of their religious experience. And uh, he gets arrested. The Jews think they're going to deal with him. And he goes, oh, wait, I'm a Roman citizen. So this changes the whole landscape of what he's got to confront. Um, he, he now gets to elevate to uh, the, the prefects of the area and those who work for Rome. And then ultimately he wants to go all the way to Caesar. And so... The, the end of Acts takes us uh, and Paul up to Rome, uh, where Paul is in some version of a prison. 
you know, it doesn't look exactly like what we, we picture a prison, but he's, he's restricted in his activity. Uh, he is held captive, and he's awaiting trial. He longs at the end of Acts to go to Spain. That's his kind of next missionary uh, desire. Well, we never get the end of Acts. We, we just turn to his letters, and then we get uh, Revelation. We never get the, like, the, the uh, satisfying conclusion to the Paul story there. Um, Paul does a lot of his work from the, church, from the prison in Rome. He's sitting there with lots of time on his hands. He occasionally gets these visitors from his various churches around the world. Because people come to Rome. Who doesn't go to the empire capital occasionally? Uh, let's show up and, and visit Paul and maybe even bring him some extra quills and some parchments. Um, they'll bring him writing supplies and they'll then take letters away. And, and uh, this is where he begins to wax poetic. As you can imagine, uh, a near-retirement preacher who has now been in uh, prison for ages, who is awaiting trial that seems to never come, would want to start writing, right? If you can't go preach a sermon, you at least write a Friday email. Um, some, some weeks it's easier than others, but um, he, he's writing and he's longing. And one of the things he longs for the most is, uh, is this beloved disciple of his who is joined in the spirit of, of being a beloved disciple of Christ. He longs, we read it in multiple places, for Timothy to see him one more time. And, and we get to this point where he now writes his second letter to Timothy. Instead of writing a letter uh, about, hey, go, here's how you take care of the church, he's writing what in many ways could be like his farewell discourse. So in the book of Deuteronomy, we see Moses uh, kind of giving Joshua his farewell discourse. Uh, when we get to Elijah and Elisha, we have a farewell discourse. When we get to Jesus, he spends the whole second half of John's gospel in a farewell discourse. I'm getting ready to go away, and so here's what you need to know. Uh, for Moses, he knows he's dying. For Elijah, he knows the, the days are done. For Jesus, he knows uh, crucifixion is coming. And, and Paul doesn't seem to know exactly what's coming, but he knows these days are numbered. I long to go to Spain probably not going to happen. And so Timothy, my, uh, my beloved uh, disciple and student and church planner and friend, I want to tell you a few things. And this is, this is the landscape of 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will to promote the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear child, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Every letter has an opening, and, and, and this is standard, and yet uh, it tells us this is it's not the letter to the church. This is to my, uh, my dear child. I'm grateful to God, whom I serve with a good conscience as my ancestors did. I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. When I remember your tears, I long to see you that I can be filled with happiness. Man, I really wish there was a footnote on just that, that little sentence. Uh, I pray for you daily. As I remember your tears, I long to see you so that I can be filled with happiness. These tears that uh, have some meaning between them that, that have no meaning for us, are these tears of, 
uh, sorrow as Timothy leaves his last visit to the Roman prison? Are these uh, tears of thanksgiving for having reunited with Paul at this prison? Are they tears of lamentation for what it has been like to be at the church at Ephesus? Are these uh, tears of woe because uh, some days it just feels like all is chaos? We have no idea. We can sit in holy imagination, but we know that these tears were a gateway into Timothy's heart for Paul and a a way of remembering this one whom he loves. And and I can't wait to see you. I'm reminded of your authentic faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother mother Lois and your mother Eunice. Man, Lois is not a very uh, popular grandmother name, but my grandmother was Lois. Uh, and, And I read that and it immediately feels different. It at least for me, evoke these memories of how does family uh, bring faith through the generations? Uh, and then your mother Eunice. That's, we had a lot of uh, Eugenias and, uh, and stuff in my family. We didn't have a Eunice. Uh, but this faith that uh, these two women have are part of Timothy's story. It's part of uh, this ongoing witness of God in their lives and how they have uh, poured into Timothy. And now Timothy uh, has this kind of abundant um, faith uh, in Christ. I'm sure that their faith is also inside you. Because of this, I'm reminding you to revive God's gift that is in in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul has done the the proto-ordination service and has laid his hands upon Timothy and given him, uh, as as, uh, churches are wont to do, said, take thou authority, um, and has blessed him and said, receive this gospel and go. Hey, Timothy. Remember that. Draw upon that moment. God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. There is something going on uh, that, again, we don't get uh, the full picture of. There is some reason that uh, Timothy is wrestling with uh, timidity, with being um, reserved and fearful and, and um, um, needing this encouragement to kind of go with this bold faith that, that apparently had been so much of Timothy's ministry. God didn't give you a timid faith, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. And there's a big old so, a big old conjunction that just changes the direction and tells us something new is coming. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or of me, his prisoner, Instead, share the suffering for the good news, depending on God's power. This one, I think we can get more of a sense of actually what is going on, even though it's not explicit. Uh, Somewhere in uh, some church that Paul and Timothy are connected to, uh, there is a group laughing and saying, can you believe that fool Paul is locked up in jail? We thought he had the Spirit of God upon him, and and he's locked up in that Roman prison. He can't even get out. You follow him? Why would you listen to that fool and not to us? And we know this from back in 1 Timothy. There are lots of other uh, want-to-be church leaders telling Timothy that he's not doing it right. And Paul says, I'm not embarrassed. Don't you be embarrassed of me, his prisoner, or of his message. Share the suffering the good news depending on God's power. God is the one who saved and called us with a holy calling. This wasn't based on what we have done, but it was based on his own purpose and grace that he gave us in Christ Jesus before time began. Timothy, if, if any of this hinges on us, 
It is a failed exercise already. This is wholly dependent on the grace that God knew he was going to lavish on us before the very first beginning of creation, that God knew before the foundations of time he was going to meet us in this moment and that he would be the sustainer. Now his grace is revealed through the appearance of our Savior, Christ Jesus. He destroyed death and brought life and immortality into clear focus to the good news. I was appointed a messenger, apostle, and teacher of this good news. This is why I'm suffering the way I do, but I'm not ashamed. I know the one in whom I placed my trust. You may be embarrassed by me, Timothy. This may be a hard story to tell. But this is, this is a witness to the ministry that Christ has given me, that I would suffer on behalf of Christ, that I would go and tell uh, of this, this grace in my life um, from, one, from one who persecutes to one who is persecuted. I'm convinced that God is powerful enough to protect what he has placed in, the, in my trust until that day. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you heard from me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Protect this good thing that has been placed in your trust through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Christ has taught us, and the Spirit bears witness to uh, the, the teaching that you are to carry on. You know what the message is. Rely on God's grace to go and preach it, no matter how much uh, ridicule you get, no matter how people think this is absurd, no matter how much they make fun of me, or then make fun of you because you're yoked to me. Go in the strength of the Spirit and share this good news. This is... Uh, my parting words to you. And, and, and we'll get to some more parts of this book and where this is going to go. But Paul uh, doesn't see this as a moment of shame. He sees this, sees this as a moment of vindication of his ministry, that God would think enough of him to put him in this place, to, to give him this ministry, and then uh, for him to stand firm in the face of prison, in the face of some bodily affliction that, that we never get the answer to. What is this thorn in Paul's side? What is this uh, physical thing that is, that is crushing him? a gift from God. Don't you forget that you've received the same gift from God. Go in grace and be bold in the power of the Spirit. Go. Go. Kathy Beach kept preaching this sermon during Sunday school and I told her I'm just going to let her come up here and, and tell the message because it, it, it's once again not a complex thing. Life can be wearisome and hard. Happiness at times can be um, uh, easy to miss. And yet, uh, the God who uh, filled Paul and Timothy fills us with the very same spirit and gives us a spirit of joy and peace. I, I tried it in Sunday school, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruit of the spirit is not a coconut. Right, we've got uh, these gifts that will sustain us for the very same calling. Christians, God has given you a spirit of power. He didn't give you a spirit of timidity. He didn't uh, see you set up for weakness. He has given you a witness that will stand firm in this world. Remember the gospel to which you have been called. 
Go forth in the midst of a world that feels like Roman prison sometimes. Go forth in the midst of a life that is chaotic and hard. Go forth when it's not easy to be a Christian or be part of the church. Go forth when people make fun of you for what you do. Go forth when even you feel a little bit embarrassed. Go forth when it feels a little bit too hard and trust in the Spirit of God to fill you for the ministry which she has called you. Amen? Let's pray. God, we've prayed to be your sanctuary, and the more we think about that, the more that is a frightening prayer. We have uh, prayed and uh, called upon your name. We have heard your scriptures read. We have uh, seen uh, the weight of, uh, of, um, of Paul's ministry and the realities of life on the ground. We've, we have, uh, we have uh, heard Paul's exhortations to Timothy and, and this uh, this desire that he would go forth in boldness and carry on this ministry. And Lord, uh, we ask that you would fill us with that same uh, boldness, that we would not have a spirit of weakness or fear, instead a spirit of power that bears witness in the midst of this world to your goodness and to your love, that your grace would be evident in our lives and that we, even in the midst of suffering and embarrassment, would be filled with joy and peace, that the fruits of your spirit would abound and press out the spirit of darkness that seeks to press us down. Lord, it's a dangerous prayer, and we're praying it now. Move in the people of Andover that we might be a bold witness to the world of your love, of your peace, of your mercy, of your truth and your justice. Lord, might the world see you in us. Have your way, Lord. Just as Paul and Timothy drew on uh, the strength of Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit, so too we pray in the name of Christ our Lord and Savior and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.